me into orbit. And Janet, wherever you're at, you so blessed me today. Wow. And these girls added to that. It's like just a big birthday surprise. It's not even my birthday, but I'll take it. <laughs> Praise God. You could be seated. Let me ask the congregation now. I gave these out free books if you need them on being filled with the Spirit. Does anybody want these that does not have these? They're called How the Bible Way to Receive the Holy Spirit by Brother Hagen and Why Tongues. Lift your hand if you need a copy. Anybody at all? Okay, you should have the papers too, right? Ushers, have your paperwork for me? Those sheets on the baptism? You got those, uh, Brother Dan? Yeah, okay, and Brother Jerry, lift your hand if you want these. These are different. These are some other material that we put together a long time ago about the baptism in the Holy Ghost, the importance of it. And I'd like you to have a copy. I'd like all of you to take a copy if you're just thinking what I'm thinking, but evidently you're not yet. <laughs> all right. No, I really think that this probably, apart from my salvation, has been the most significant mark in my life, receiving the infilling of the Holy Ghost and speaking in other tongues. And you know, I don't have time today to get into all of it with us, but we're going to spend about six or seven weeks on this. And so, you know, we're just going to introduce it today to you because I think even though a lot of people speak in tongues, I don't think many people know the fullness of it at all, including me. So whatever that means to you, just talking to you here a minute. Hallelujah. Don't let all these notes work, you know, fool you. We're going to help you today. But, uh, and I'm going to be sharing a lot of my personal testimony too, but we want to get in some scriptures. I'm letting these guys go ahead and uh, pass this material out. Man, I'm telling you, you guys rung me out today. <laughs> Hate to do this publicly, but I'd rather do that than sniff. Because yes. my wife says, you sniffed. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Hallelujah. You know, wives have to help you if you learn to receive from them. And husbands help their wives if they learn to receive from them. So, Let's turn in our Bibles to Mark chapter 16. And I want to say this again. I think this has probably been one of the most significant things in my entire life. I've been saved almost 50 years. 2021 in August, I'll be saved 50 years. I've been in full-time ministry. This is my 43rd year. I'm not a late come to the thing party, you know. I've been in this a long time, over four years of public ministry. 43 years is my 43rd year. But I think this one thing has helped me more than practically any other thing other than giving my life to Jesus. But then I didn't know nothing about the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Are you kidding? I went to a Baptist church. Now, I know there's some edgy Baptists now. So I'm not criticizing the Baptists. But I'm going to share my story. But I want to get some scriptures in you first and some comments here. But look at Mark 16, first of all. And uh, verse 15 says, Go into all the world... And preach the gospel to every creature. So what he's going to sell us is the gospel. How many understand what I just said? So we skip down to verse 17. And these signs shall follow them that believe. Didn't say anything about preachers. Preachers are included because they're believers. So they should be. But these things are going to follow because these things are part of what? The gospel. Thank you, Ronnie. Help me, Ronnie, if you could. Uh, those who believe in my name, they will cast out demons. I do that too. And uh, that was the last one I got to in this list. They shall speak with new tongues. And we're going to talk about that today. They shall take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it will not hurt them. And they'll lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. It's not talking about handling poisonous snakes. But if something bit you that was poisonous, 
you could believe for that to dissipate. Like my friend Mike Rabel, the Mexican missionary. You know, Elaine got bit and it started turning her finger, turned red, going up her vein to her elbow. And she ran to Mike. Mike laid his hands on her and said, I rebuked this serpent and scorpion. And they saw the red line go back down her arm, back through her fingers, boop. And she was delivered from any poison. Yeah, and a lot of people have had things like that happen. And they went forth, verse 20, and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them. Today's working with me, confirming the word with signs following. But let's go back to this here about part of the gospel being speaking with new tongues. And some translations have it languages, foreign languages. That's not at all what it means. In the Greek, it says this. Uh, it says, uh, they will speak. Actually, the Knox translation says, they will speak in tongues strange to them. So it's not a language you would learn. Like go down to IUS, you could learn Latin or Greek or whatever they teach you. Go to seminary, they could teach you Hebrew and Greek. But see, we're not talking about, it's not something you learned. It's a strange, it's just unusual language. It's a language given to you to communicate with God in. It's a personal prayer language. And all of us are different. Some may sound a little similar, but they're not because we're unique people. How many know what I'm saying here? So this is one of the things the gospel would bring into our life, an ability to speak in a, and I know the Bible says unknown tongue. It's not unknown. To, it's just unknown to me and you when you speak it. But I'll show you some things later, maybe today, maybe next week or the week after that you could pray in and get your interpretation if you needed it. How many are listening to me? All right. Just talking to you a minute here. I was looking for that one scripture that I thought I had in here, but it's, it indicates uh, you're going to speak in a language that you didn't learn. That's what the Greek says in Mark 16 here. You speak in a language you didn't learn. You don't go to school to learn this. Like Brother Les was teaching us about righteousness. It's a free gift. So is the infilling of the Holy Spirit and speaking in other tongues. And speaking in tongues follows the infilling or the baptism in the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit. Whatever word you want to use is fine. They're both the same people, the Holy Spirit and the Holy Ghost. It's, a, it's an entity. The Holy Spirit is God in the earth to us today. How many are listening? So it's important that we begin to experience this and initially get filled with the Spirit. But then I'm just telling you there's a whole another avenue out there. You know, Brother Hagin wrote his book. It's about that thick. I've read it many times. I'm still reading it again. Tongues beyond the upper room. It's not something you just get in the upper room and then that's it. You haven't fulfilled a great deal yet just to get that. I'm trying to bring our thinking back where it should be. Some people think that's the climax, the summation of everything, getting filled with the Holy Ghost speaking in tongues. That's just the beginning, sweetheart. That's just preschool stuff. But you can if you're serious about praying in the Spirit. And I've been praying in tongues every day since May 1978. That's a quite a ways back. Yes. <laughs> That's 40-some years ago. And I'm still praying in the Spirit and glad to do it, thrilled to do it, so thankful I can do it. Yes. And I'm going to talk about that. Praying in the Spirit, let me talk, give you some quotes here. Praying in the Spirit gets the job done when nothing else will. Sometimes you prayed, like I mentioned this recently, you know, pushed every lever, pulled every switch about those missionaries I was praying for. And I, I ended up having a vision. The angels were in the room with me and I spoke to this angel over here in a different tongue than I normally speak. But he understood exactly what I was saying. He shot through that wall and took care of that in another part of the world. Mexico was one of them. One of the missionaries were from, and the other ones were from Honduras. 
And you know, there was 40 people praying with me that night. Some of you in this crowd were in that group when I prayed. We led the prayer and I pushed every button, you know, rebuked the devil, bound the devil, released the angels, everything, pleaded the blood, all the normal things that somebody that's intelligent could do in English. But I knew I wasn't hitting the target. There's another issue for people. If you're not hitting the target, you're wasting your time. <laughs> you know, there ought to be a way to hit the target. And tongues is not an excuse to be lazy and not know your Bible. Let me help you there. But if you don't know some things that some of us know, it'd just be smart to listen because we're trying to teach you some things to make your life progress. And your life should never just be about you and your mate and your children and that's it. That's a poor way to live. That's a very deplorable way to live really for God. We should be helping the body of Christ. Hallelujah. So there are giftings in your spirit that will never come out, that never come out of you. I'm talking to the body here. I know everybody's called to fivefold, but there's still giftings in your spirit that'll never come out unless you take the time to pray in tongues. Brother Hagin said that. When you pray in other tongues, quiet your mind and focus on the spirit. And if you're a hyper person, I'm not talking about HD, ADHD. I'm just talking about you just are wound tight. It may take you a little time to figure that out. That's why you need to spend extra time praying in tongues until you can quiet your mind down. Some of you need to quiet your mind down. You know, if you're in worry, it won't work. If you're in unbelief, it won't work. If you're not in faith, it won't work. So I'm just throwing some one-liners at you. But this is important that we learn to pray in tongues, but not just pray in tongues for ourselves. That's part of it. But learning to pray in tongues and get other things for other people when we can turn it. Some things are not turnable because of other people and something they're doing that you don't know anything about. But in a lot of cases, things could be turned and should be turned by people who pray for other people. All right. Speaking in tongues is a supernatural sign. We can continue living a supernatural life in Christ by maintaining a supernatural prayer life speaking in tongues. Kenneth E. Hagin said that. In other words, if you just spoke in tongues when you got baptized in the Holy Ghost or I laid hands on you or somebody laid hands on you or you just by yourself and got it like me. But that was just the beginning of praying in tongues. Like I told you, I've been praying in tongues every day since May 1978. Not bragging. I'm just, this is just a way of life. And nobody had to even tell me that. I didn't even know that when I first got baptized in the Holy Ghost. I just started yielding to it more. And yielding to it more and yielding to it more and yielding to it decade after decade after decade after decade, almost four and a half decades now. And I like it. I'm just telling you, see, I don't think you're realizing what I'm saying to you. Other than giving my life to Jesus because I was a drug dealer and a drug addict when I got saved. (laughs) The most significant thing that's ever happened in my life was getting filled with the Holy Ghost and being able to speak in other tongues. You think it's that critical? I think it's vital to your life, your spiritual life. You're not going to go very far in God. You can come to this church. I can feed you some word because I can teach. But you're not going to get it fully until you start doing what I'm teaching you about this. And that's why I'm taking my time today. I'm not going real quick. And I won't be here next week because I'll be in Canada. But I will be back and we'll take part two and three and four and five and six. And however long it takes me to finish teaching this. It will get a little deeper each week. (laughs) <laughs> but here it is right here, the new life, 
translation says, they will speak with languages they have never learned. Listen to this. Praying in the Spirit will develop your spirit. See, there's a development. You know, there's a lot of emphasis today, and rightfully so, on our bodies, taking care of our bodies, eating right, eating organic. Some people work out. Some people, you know, diet. Some people do different things. They run, they jog, they ride a bike, they go to the gym. And all that's appropriate, but I wonder how much we do with our spirit, man. You know, I can study and do study, and that's for my mind, but it's also for my spirit. Feeding into my spirit the Word of God by my confession in my prayer life primarily. But also there's this thing of praying in tongues. And I immediately put my spirit into contact with God when I do that. And my spirit begins to exercise itself in my praying in the spirit. I know you don't see it, so you don't think it's important. Why am I talking this way to you? Because we're behind. Just get it from me. We're all behind a little bit. I'm stretching you because I just know by the Spirit we're behind. I mean, as a whole church. That's why I started teaching on prayer. This is the second part. I started talking, praying the Word into your life, the importance of praying the Bible into your life. It, it gives you the answers you need. It renews your mind when you do that every day. And you're going to have to do it every day. <laughs> you can't just pray when you get in trouble. You should pray when you get in trouble, my goodness, but just praying when you get in trouble will not deliver you eventually from that mis- di- dysfunctional thinking. You know, when you bring little Billy or little Tammy to the emergency room, that's the last time you prayed. That was six years ago in tongues. You're praying like a house of fire in the ambulance. And after she got recovered and Timmy got okay, that's the end of that. Until some other emergency, that's not a way to live. That, the devil's running your prayer life. <laughs> Think with me here. That should never happen to an experienced, born-again, spirit-filled believer. And by the way, I'd like to tell you something that I've studied out for 40 years. There is no such thing in the New Testament of any church that was not spirit-filled, tongue-talking church. There's no such animal. I'm not condemning other churches that don't believe in this. I just know I'm right about this. Because I've went to seminary and studied my Bible. Not so much seminary, but just studying my Bible. They didn't know this either. Or they knew it, were afraid to teach it. Tongues is the door into the supernatural. If it seems like doors are not opening for you, then you need to be open and take time to pray in tongues to get those doors opened. Let me say something else here, just off the cuff. It's not in my notes. But sometimes, you know, you think you're going to get it all done, just one little 40-minute segment of prayers, praying in tongues. You're sadly mistaken. Some things will take you a period of time to pray things through and to get the interpretation or just to pray it through where it needs to be through. What I mean, you get it on the other side of things. Some things will not move for you just because you prayed 20 minutes in tongues one day, and then the next six days you didn't pray at all. See, you're going to have to listen to what I'm saying. I'm not, I'm not condemning anybody if that's your way of thinking, but hopefully I'm breaking down some barriers to what you're thinking. And then you wonder why the supernatural don't show up in your life. Well, you're the ones responsible for that. I mean, thank God we've got somebody that knows a little bit of something after 40-some years, and 40 years over plus praying in tongues. I'm not bragging, I'm just talking. Everything in me fought against that when I got filled. I'm going to talk about that in a minute. Now, we're talking about praying in tongues and praying in the Spirit. Or let me say something, a little side thought here. All 
praying in tongues is not prayer. Some of it's speaking to God. Now you might say generically that's prayer because I'm talking to God. That could be in a generic sense. But sometimes I just like to fellowship with my father. Not asking him for something. Just talk to him. Because when I speak in tongues, not pray, when I speak in tongues, I'm communicating with him, not you. Now, there's a different operation of tongues. We'll get into this later where I could speak in tongues and get the interpretation, which I just did recently in this church. I spoke in tongues and gave you the interpretation right on the spot. I'm not bragging. That's what some prophets do. And then sometimes we just prophesy, which is eliminating the tongues and interpretation together, equal prophecy, but just doing it more quickly sometimes. Not to save time, but sometimes a different unction to function. You, you follow me so far? And then there's a ministry of tongues and interpretation that you'd have to be in fivefold ministry to operate in, which I saw Buddy Harrison and his wife operate in. My wife and I saw them publicly minister over a bunch of preachers. Dr. Dufresne, Pastor Nancy, they operated in that. Not every service, but periodically, as the Spirit wills. That's a different operation altogether of tongues. They're not praying then to build themselves up. They're praying to minister something to somebody and you would need the interpretation to do that. How many know what I just said? And that's just normally going to be a ministry of tongues and interpretation or diversities of tongues and interpretation. Okay. I'm not trying to lose you. I'm just trying to get some basic things taught. Let's, let, they did a survey a while back and I thought it was interesting. I taped it in this piece of paper here. A Pentecostal magazine took a survey of people who are spirit-filled. And this is what they found out. I'm sad to report this, but it's the truth. Daily, 15% pray. More than once a week, 11%. Once a week, 7%. Monthly, 9%. Several times a year, 2%. Less than several times a year, 6%. Never, 49%. Once they got filled with the Spirit, well, I got it. <laughs> and that's all they ever did with it. Just sat on it. You understand the term? Just sat down on it. You didn't do anything with it. See, tongues are just like everything else in the Bible, except tongues and interpretation are unique to this dispensation. Jesus didn't speak in tongues. <laughs> and the Old Testament didn't speak in tongues because that wasn't available. Tongues and interpretation in all forms of tongues, I'm talking about just your general prayer language, is given in this new dispensation, which Hebrew says is a better covenant with better promises. <laughs> God give you an additional way to pray and to speak and to talk to the Father and get things done that you couldn't get done just in English. Never 49%. That's almost half the people that were spirit-filled that they surveyed it's a Pentecostal magazine that did a survey of spirit-filled churches, and that's what they came out with. Is it any wonder folks aren't making spiritual progress? I'm giving you answers. If you're never going to make it to the end of what God has for you, we have to get into this. We have to get into understanding praying in tongues. Then I said one time, the more you pray in the Spirit, the more the gifts will operate in your life. Don't let tongues become common. See, if you're not careful, you just you say, well, I go to a spirit-filled church. Well, that's fine. That's great. I'm glad you do. There's no such thing in the Bible as an unspirit-filled church, just to let you know. 
But nonetheless, you go to spiritual church, but what do you do with this, what I'm talking to you about right now? Praying in the Spirit. And there may be a lot of questions you have. I'll try to answer them all over a period of time. Because I had to answer all the questions for myself. Because I grew up in a church that said tongues was of the devil. Or they made fun of those people saying those people are just emotional cripples and they need that. You don't need it. You're beyond that. That's the way they talked to me in the Baptist church. How stupid can you be? Maybe that's the answer to that question. (laughs) Making fun of something that God gives. And the same Baptist people that say Paul wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, he personally said of himself, I speak in tongues more than all of you at Corinth. And they were, so, they were so given away to tongues, he had to calm them down in the services. So that's all they wanted to do is speak in tongues. But you can't do that and teach like I'm doing with you right now. <laughs> you know, I'm speaking in your language. Unless you're some from foreign place or you've learned another language. But English is our primary language here in the United States. So I couldn't do that if I got up and spoke in tongues. I'd be edified for an hour. But you just sit there and just look at me and wonder what in the world's he doing. Now you could speak in tongues and give interpretation. I could do that. Or I could maybe do some other things as the Lord permits and as his wills me to do it. But I'm talking to you primarily about you getting your personal prayer language. And if, it's, if I'm saying things you already know about, then great. You're just getting added re- reinforcement for what. I wonder, you know, that building that collapsed somewhere in America, or was it someplace else they built? Was it New Orleans? They just had more, they should have had more reinforcement in that puppy. I don't want my spiritual life to collapse, do you? <laughs> okay. This is a way to get more steel rebar in you. And more concrete. And we'll use a vibrator on you. Vibrate that concrete down where it sets right. I used to work construction. I know what I'm talking about. Norval Hay said this. A lot of people have missed out on things that God, from God because they don't pray long enough in tongues. Are you just going to quote things all morning? What would be wrong with that? <laughs> These are people I highly respect. Brother Kenneth E. Hagen, he's in heaven now. And Norval Hayes. I used to go to Norval's meetings on deliverance. Several years I went there and sat under him about teaching on deliverance. And then he ministered to me way back in the early years. And I respect him. He says, when you're praying in tongues, you're talking to God in his own language, in his language. If you'll pray long enough in tongues, God will answer you. For he will give you the interpretation in English then you'll know what you're praying about in tongues. God will start talking to you in your own language so you can understand it. I'm one more comment from Norval, and then I'm going to get into some scriptures with you. One of the most important things you can do is to pray in tongues. It brings God on the scene. You know, praise God. Are you still here with me? All right, let's go to the book of Acts chapter 2. Now, I hope I haven't been rude to anybody. I'm not trying to be. I'm trying to be helpful. God told me to talk about prayer, uh, at least for now, and we did two services on praying the Word into your life. I did the best I could do in those two services. But you should be studying the Word all the time and finding things that respond to your needs. And then quoting that and speaking that back to God in prayer. Father, you said, I have a supply, so I'm a tither. And I'm a giver and I believe for my supply to come to me in the name of Jesus. Or whatever it is you're believing. If you're sick, you can find the scriptures, by his stripes I'm healed. Right? 
or you might come today if I minister. I'm probably going to turn this service a little different way in about 20 minutes and minister to the sick. I'm not going to minister to the baptism of the Holy Ghost yet because I don't think some of you know enough. I've never, never failed, never failed in 43 years to get anybody filled with the Holy Ghost that was instructed properly first. That's why I gave those sheets out with those answers. You, could, you don't have to turn it into me. It's not a test. You know what I mean? Don't come to the office and give it to Donna for me to look at it. I'm not going to look at it. But if you're smart, you would do this. You'd get these sheets and you would fill it out for your own thinking and let those questions make you look in the Bible. And he gives you, it's an open book test. He gives you the scriptures when he asks you the question. And get yourself more familiar with this. Just because you don't understand it doesn't mean it's not real. Just because you don't do it doesn't mean it's not real. Just because you think I'm out there somewhere, that's probably true, but that's still real to me in my own spiritual life. I'm going to talk to you about how I got uh, spirit-filled, and it's a miraculous thing. But let's look at a couple of verses here. Acts 2, 1 through 4. Acts 2, 1 through 4. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all in one accord in one place. Now this is pertaining to everybody that's here today and will be here next Sunday and the Sunday after when I teach on it. It would help me if you'd be in agreement with this, even if you don't understand it yet. <laughs> because you're in strife and bickering about it. And you Remember I told you, if you talk bad about me, you're going to be in trouble. Because he said, touch not my prophets and do them no harm. Just realize that I may be saying something that's a little out there for you periodically. I'm not trying to lose anybody. I'm trying to make this as simple and basic as I can. But even if you don't understand everything, get in agreement with me and the rest of us because we all want to be spirit-filled and learn more about speaking and praying in other tongues. How many know what I just said? I'm not threatening people. I'm just trying to help us to see correctly. Hallelujah. <laughs> yeah, praise God. You know, and I think it's 1 Corinthians 14, 14 and 15. You don't need to turn there, but this is what it says. I'll pray with the Spirit and I'll pray with my understanding. I'll sing in the Spirit and I'll sing with my understanding. Now, so far today we've been singing in our understanding. The words have been up in English. We could read them. If you care to sing, that'd be smart. Sing along with it. But my point is, Paul made that comment. So what you've done is you've totally cut your prayer life in two by leaving out what I'm teaching you about. If you only know how to pray in English, that's all you know. And I'm trying to be as sweet as I can, but that's very limited. <laughs> I mean, I move in the spirit quite often, especially in prayer. Word of knowledge and discerning of spirits and other things like that. I'm not bragging, I'm just talking. But see, just what I'm trying to show you is a lot of things we've been able to succeed at or be fruitful in is because of tongues helping. It's a doorway into the supernatural. You know, if there's no doors in this room, you wouldn't be sitting here. We, they'd all be gone. There's no door, no way to get in here. So think about that. When we're talking about praying in the Spirit, Paul said, I will pray in the Spirit, and I will pray with my understanding. So he could do either or at any time he chose. I will do this, or I will do that. I will sing this way, or I'll sing according to my own understanding, or I'll sing in the Spirit. We don't have that much anymore in our churches. Occasionally now, Amsey's starting to move in that, and I appreciate it when he does, or Devon or somebody, <laughs> or some of the girls maybe. I don't remember exactly. I haven't been here every service, but 
How many know what I'm talking about? But we're not just going to fit that in because we haven't had a lot of it. It has to come from the Holy Ghost through these singers or it's illegitimate. We're not trying to make you feel cozy. We're trying to make you be spiritual. There's a world of difference there. I'm not trying to ruffle your feathers. I'm trying to teach you. But be in agreement here. This is what it says. They were all in one place in one accord. They were all in agreement with what they were doing. I'm sure they were different staggered levels of revelation in the church, the early church here. 120 were there that day, and then it multiplied 3,000, then another 5,000, and it got to be 150,000 eventually or something like that, I've been told. But anyway, verse 2, Acts 2 and 2. Suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind, and it uh, filled the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled... I want to read that again. They were all filled. Didn't say 119 got filled. We left one out. No. They were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. I want you to see that. They were all filled. All were filled with the Holy Ghost. And they, that's the, you take, I'm an English guy. You know, I made good grades in English. I don't talk like it sometimes, but I understand something. And they is the subject of this sentence. They were all filled and they began to speak with other tongues. If you think the Holy Ghost is going to speak through you, you're wrong. He doesn't speak through you. The Holy Ghost don't pray in tongues. <laughs> Trying to help you here. He gives you the utterance, but he doesn't pray it. You have to pray it out. The Holy Ghost don't pray in tongues. Where'd you get that? I know I lost you on that curve, but stay with me. Keep your seatbelt on. Going around a couple other curves. <laughs> they were all filled, and they spake what the Spirit prompted them to say. Just trying to show you that they were all filled, not partial, part of them. You can't get this because you've got a mental problem. In fact, that would help some mental people. I know some physical doctors, one at ORU, he tried to do doing brain surgery on this guy, and he stopped. The main surgeon, he stopped, he stopped, his whole staff said, stop. And God said, don't cut him open that way, you're going to kill him. Now, he already had an MRI and whatever else they used to look inside your brain. God spoke to that doctor, said, if you cut him in that place, which you normally would have cut him there because of the film, but if you cut him there, you're going to kill him. Do this and he'll live. And the doctor stopped the whole staff in the operating room and said, ORU and began to pray in tongues. God said, cut him over here and do this and go in that way and he saved the guy's life. I'd say that's pretty important, certainly for the guy. You know what I mean? Yeah. I've been to the City of Faith one time and every, every doctor there, every nurse there, even the pharmacist prayed with me and took my medication in my hand and theirs and prayed over it to work for me. I mean, it was just a phenomenal hospital. I wish it would have remained because there's no hospital like that that I know of in America where everybody was spirit-filled. The nurses are walking through the hall sometimes speaking in tongues. Of course, they're, they're trained. They got their sheets of paper. They can write in English and all that. But see, it's a different environment because ORU put it together because Dr. Roberts. But anyway... All right. So how many of them got filled? And how many spoke in tongues? 
Okay, so we're good so far. Your math is doing real good. They all spoke. They all were filled. They all spoke with others as the Spirit gave them utterance. Hallelujah. Now let's go to same chapter. Let's go to verse thirty-seven. And Paul, I mean Peter, got up and preached to them, and uh, and uh, they began to break out in tongues. And different people from around the world. It lists them earlier in this chapter. They heard them in their own language. So in that case, those languages were known by somebody, but they were unknown to the speakers. The one speaking them didn't know that, but the people hearing knew it. Yeah, I spoke in perfect Spanish one time. I've never done that before or since in a prayer meeting one time in, down in Mexico in Manzanillo. <laughs> they said, you know what you just said? I said, I'm praying in tongues. They said, you just said something in Spanish. And Mike Rabel quoted to me what I'd said, two or three lines of it, and gave him an answer. I did? Well, Sheikha Micaiah, you know, hallelujah. <laughs> so Peter got up and spoke to them in their dialect and preached to them all. And he says here in verse 37, now when they heard this, when Peter had preached to them, they were pricked in their heart and they were convicted. And they said unto Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter answered unto them, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. So I know this is new covenant. This is new covenant, new birth stuff. You repent for, for your sin, but you get remission of your sins. You don't get it covered over. You get them removed. And you shall receive. Notice this carefully. You shall receive. Listen to me carefully. You're only going to get the Holy Ghost one way. That's by receiving Him. You don't get Him because I'm a hot shot. You don't get Him because you're a hot shot. You don't get him because you're just instructed. You get him because we've taught you enough that you could receive him in the fullness into your being. And when you get full, you'll speak. I'm not going to do it, but you take a glass of water and you fill it up to the rim, it's full. But you put another few drops in and start spilling over into the carpet or wherever you're standing because you're overflowing. And that's what happens when the Holy Ghost comes in. He fills you. You have to receive him. You can't be afraid of him and receive him. I'm going to tell you my story in just a minute. I better hurry up here. But it says, uh, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost for the promise, the promise about receiving the Holy Ghost is unto you and to your children. So that went on for generations and to all that are afar off. That means down through time. To as many as the Lord our God shall call this promise standing today. So that means that now that I've received the baptism, my wife received, my children received it, this church has received it. Of course, I'm not the pastor here anymore, Jordan is, but nonetheless, and people, and your children have received under my ministry when they were younger, most of them are grown up now. When they were children, we taught it, or Sean taught it upstairs, you know, to the children's church. And yeah, we can, you got to, this is important, you ought to get your kids spirit-filled and talk to them about it so they're not afraid of the Holy Ghost. What is this speaking in tongues? That man spoke in a language I didn't understand. Well, I wasn't talking to you. I'm not being rude, but you need to explain that to your children sometimes. If pastor speaks in tongues, he wasn't talking to you or me. He was talking to the Father. Now, if he spoke in tongues to Pastor Diane and then interpreted, that's a different operation, but still tongues and interpretation. But it wasn't for you. It was for her. <laughs> or sometimes I spoke in tongues recently to the whole group of you. And interpreted my, what I just said in tongues. I, I don't think I have a copy here. I think it's at home. But, and we've got it listed, we got it on tape and they, Donna or somebody typed it off. How many are really listening? Yeah. 
So this gift, this promise that Jesus said would come, let's go back to chapter 1 a minute. I don't want to run out of time with you, so I've got to hurry here a little bit. Chapter 1 of Acts, let's begin in verse 4. And being assembled together with them, that's Jesus. You know, he's already in a glorified body at this point. He's died, buried, went to hell, took the keys of hell and death away from the devil, broke those things, you know, came back and got in his body, and now he's appearing to people. And he's appearing to his staff and different people. Verse 4, and being assembled together with them, that is Jesus, commanded them. He didn't suggest, now if you'd like this, I'd like you to consider it, but if you don't like it, forget it. No, I want you to see what Jesus said about this. He commanded them to stay there. You should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise. I just read you about it in chapter 2. The promise of the Father, which saith he, you have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, or he immersed them in water, baptism, but I'm going to immerse you in the Holy Ghost. He said, you'll be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. And when that happens, verse 8 said, you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and under other uttermost parts of the earth, including Sellersburg, including Otisco. Woo! <laughs> Yeah, I used to live in Otisco. It's not the end of the earth, but you can see it from there. Anyway, I just always say that kiddingly. I better start talking to you about my testimony a little bit, maybe. I was raised, I, you know, I was raised in a Baptist church. I was a little cripple boy like Forrest Gump. I was going to bring my braces in a couple weeks ago, but I decided not to. But I may bring them sometime when I'm teaching on healing. Little Forrest Gump, run, Michael, run. And my, God healed me supernaturally. They told my mother I'd never recover from it. I had rickets really bad. My knees rubbed together on the inside when I walked when I was two. My mother took me to Barney's Children's Hospital. Dr. Barney was my doctor. He said, well, Joyce, that's my mother's name. Your son has rickets, and I'm going to put him in these braces. I want him to wear them 24-7. The only time to take them off is when he takes a bath or a shower or something. Other than that, he's to sleep in them and walk in them and keep them on his legs. So she did that for two years, two and a half years. And then uh, she took me regularly for visits, and he continued to say, yeah, it's like I thought, and he'll probably have to be more disabled as he gets older because of this deficiency in his bones. It's interesting, God gave me anointing for bones in 1996, but anyway, it's interesting how God thinks about stuff. But anyway, you know, I had an angel appear to me when I was five years old. I've told that story. I think I told it at the Word and Spirit. If you weren't here, maybe you could get the tape. I don't have time to tell it all. But an angel appeared to me. He didn't say anything, but I could feel power coming off of me. And within a couple of weeks of that event, or a couple, maybe a month or six weeks, maybe two months, I didn't write it down. I was five years old. But she took me back to Dr. Barney. He took the braces off, said, Joyce, you got a miracle. <laughs> and she had told me that she had went home when she took me prior to that last time. He said, well, Joyce, you know, I don't know what to tell you to do for him. You know, I could break his legs, but I'm not even sure if we could reset them and they would work because he's got bone problems. So she said, well, I'm not going to let you break my four-and-a-half-year-old son's legs. And she went home and repented. I didn't ask her what she repented of, but she told me she repented. She was a backslidden Baptist girl. And she was my, my dad had left when I was born, so they were divorced, you know, because of him, whatever. And uh, so <laughs> she said, Lord, if you'll heal my boy, I'll raise him in church. I swear to God I'll do it. And you know, God healed me and she raised me in church, but I didn't get it. 
I mean, I'm sorry, they were probably teaching the right things, but I didn't get it. I didn't, I didn't make the connection with Jesus in that church. I mean, I had opportunity, but it just seemed boring and dry and dead. That's, I'm just telling you, it's my personal conviction of my childhood in that church. It happened to be a Baptist church. It had to be a Southern Baptist church. There's all kinds of Baptists. Jimmy Swagger says there's more Baptists than there are people. I don't know if that's true. <laughs> but anyway, anyway, praise God. And so I went out into the world drink, drinking, fighting, stuff. Then I got into drugs real bad. Then I became a drug dealer and a drug addict for three years. And then I ended up back in church. Uh, I was 21 years old, lost 80 pounds shooting speed, and uh, was about half dead. My brain was sizzled from all the overdoses I'd taken. And I had died one time prior to being saved, about six months prior to that event. In the summer of 71, I got saved in December 71. I went to California to get some new drug deals with drug people out there, but we spent all of our money shooting dope and partying. I ended up in a little tenement house, went in the bathroom to shoot up, and I thought, told you that before. I saw my life like on film, and a voice came out of that vision. The Lord said, Michael, come home. Now, I don't know how I knew it was him. I just knew. Sometimes you just know things down here. You know your spirit can know things your head doesn't understand? And if you'll pray in tongues a lot more, you'll start getting more of that. It's not a cure-all, but it'll take care of a lot of stuff that you don't know about. I know things down here I, can't, I don't know up here, even today. <laughs> I know certain things. Anyway, so I knew, when, I knew somehow that was God speaking to me. I've never been confused whether I'm a male or female, by the way, just to throw that at you. And I know I'm a male. Just like I knew I'm a boy, I knew that was Jesus. I don't know how I knew it. I don't know, you know, it was nothing that it just bore witness down here, and I wasn't even saved then. He said, Michael, come home. I went back to my mom and dad's house and said, would you take me back in? We'll take you in, but you're not going to be a drug addict and live here. Because, I mean, I was carrying a gun and acting crazy and, you know, all kinds of weird stuff. They let me live there, and so I, I started going to church. And I met this little girl there. She's a senior in high school. I'm 21. She's 18. Her parents didn't like me. They knew about me. You know, I was a drug dealer, drug dealer in that city, a drug addict in that city. And so they didn't trust me. And I don't blame them. I have a little girl now. You know, she's right over here. And I realized as I got older why that was that way. So I went to this meeting, you know, and got saved with. Got, she was already saved, and I went forward and got, gave my life to Jesus that night. I didn't plan to do that. I just planned to take you to the meeting and then back home. Maybe get a smooch on the way or something. I don't know. I'm just throwing that at you. It says you look so deadpan at me. Okay. There wasn't no kissing going on with her. But anyway, <laughs> that's why it was unusual for me to date a girl like that. No, really. I mean, you know, when you're a drug person, you're a drug person, if you know what I mean. You just, I'll just let that lie right there. Okay. And so... I got saved, and then I started going to church. She gave me a Bible the next week and said, get out of my life, smart girl, and uh, started going to the Baptist church and um, kept going to the church. Met her five, six months after I got saved. We started going to church more often. She got saved right before we got married. Hallelujah. Well, I appreciate that. And so anyway, I was there in my home church where I'd grown up for let me think here, about five years, 71 to 76, and then God started dealing with me actually in 74 about going into the ministry. Of course, I argued with him. I said, you, you got the wrong guy. I can't even talk hardly. 
you know, my brain is so scattered, but he began to fix me. He began to help me. My wife can tell you I had a real memory problem in my brain with drugs that burn out something. I don't know what it was, but I didn't remember what I had for dinner last night. And she was concerned for me. And all of a sudden I started remembering things. And what was happening was I got in the Bible and I started reading the Bible. I found where the Bible says the memory of the righteous is blessed. I call my memory blessed. I mean, I went to the cement plant. I told that story before I was saved, but I was still scattered. You know, my mind was scattered. I went in there and filled out a little one-page questionnaire. It should have took 10 minutes. I was there an hour and 20 minutes. Six other people had come in and filled it out and turned it back into the human resources, and I'm still sitting at this little desk and feeling more mental as the time wore on. I was a tough guy back then. You weren't going to hear, see me cry. I cried almost the whole service this morning. You guys just ripped me up today. I don't know what happened. The Holy Ghost got on me. And I came out of that, finally turned in my thing. I was just going to be a laborer. I wasn't going to be a nuclear physicist. You know what I'm saying? Just basic things I couldn't remember. And I got to the car and I started crying. I said, Lord, am I going to be like this the rest of my life? And the devil spoke to me. I don't know how I knew it was the devil. He said, yeah, and you did it to yourself, big shot. And Jesus stuck up for me. That's one of the few times he's done that like that in that setting. He said, shut up, Satan. He said, Michael, I'm going to put you together again. I said, praise God, have at it. I mean, I'm a mess. And I was crying because I thought I'm going to be mentally behind all of my life. Anyway. So anyway, I'm going to seminary from First Baptist Church. And my pastor and a couple guys got me aside and said, when you go to Louisville, because I was going to go to Louisville Seminary, be sure you don't get involved with this Roy Lamberth and Louisville Baptist Church, Louisville Trinity Baptist Church over in Louisville. And then they said this, this guy paid off a church building in Cincinnati and he believes in casting out devils and healing the sick. And I want to say, what's wrong with that? What's wrong with you? <laughs> but I didn't. I wasn't as bold as I am today. I probably would have said, what's wrong with you? Because it made sense to me, but I didn't say nothing because I'm young and immature and don't know a lot. And I thought, that's weird that they would think that's bad. I'm just a smart guy just because I'm not real educated. I'm still smart. Holy Ghost made me this way. And I got to Louisville, and I went, and I had my class. I had a, what was that class? Evangelism. Actually, the pastor down here that Elvis Markham, who started Graceland Baptist, he was my professor for evangelism. He, he brought E.W. Kenyon books to his class and said, you boys need to get these. E.W. Kenyon, I, you could have said whoever. I would have never heard of E.W. Kenyon. And I bought his books later, and I got all of them books now. But anyway, that was just way out for us back then. Anyway, we, we got in a group of four, and they sent us to a progressive church. That we were to go interview a pastor that was growing in the city. And two of the guys of the four of us, they were spirit-filled, but they didn't tell me that. And I'm pulling in the driveway of this church, and they said, meet them out in Seatonville Road and Bardstown, Seatonville. And I and look, in the church sign is Louisville Baptist Trinity Church. I thought, huh, I'm going to go meet the guy they told me to stay away from. <laughs> he walked in the office. I never will forget it. He walked in the office. He had a blue jean pants and blue jeans coat on. He said, what can I do for you boys? And we said, well, we've come to talk to you about your church. And he sat down and he said, well, the main thing we do is we just teach the Bible and tell people go out and live it in front of your neighbors and where you work and people will respond. And the one guy with me, I, I would have slapped him today. I would have probably slapped him, but I didn't I had enough sense to do that then. 
He said, I just want you to know, he started talking to the, I just want you to know I got all the Holy Ghost when I got saved. Now, Brother Lambeth hadn't said nothing about speaking in tongues. <laughs> it's a spirit-filled church, but he didn't bring that up. The guy with me brought it up. And the other two guys, we were ashamed of him. What is the matter with you? Why are you jumping this pastor out? And Brother Roy, Pastor Roy, said this. If you got him, where's he at? In other words, you're acting like a B-U-T-T. I read all that in his response. And I felt like that too. Yeah, you're a B-U-T-T. You know, what's your problem? Attacking this pastor. That was my first introduction with Roy Lambert. And we became close friends after that because I didn't know. See, I was about to get spirit-filled in the next 24 hours. See, God was, see, I was hungry. Baptist or whatever, I was hungry. And so Pastor Roy said to all of us, all four of us, well, if you boys are interested in that, go get Dennis and Rita Bennett's book on the Holy Spirit. Dennis and Rita Bennett, who are they? Well, they're Episcopalians. Episcopalians? I'm thinking of cone hats, robes, you know, incense and candles, baby. That's all I knew about the Episcopalian. Yeah, I was reading about Smith Wigglesworth recently. Guess where he got filled with the Holy Ghost at? An Episcopalian church. I got a lot in common with him. So I said to those guys, we didn't go to school on Monday because we'd take a church, maybe go preach for them out in the country. You know, cheap people, they don't ever pay their pastor. They just get one of us young Bible school boys to preach and give us $50 and think they did the hung the moon. Maybe not that much, maybe 20 bucks, but anyway. So I said to the other students, they said, in the, we're getting ready to leave out of the driveway of the church. And they said, you want us to get one of those for you, Michael? And I said, yeah, I'll get me one. I'll see you Tuesday at school. An hour later, they're knocking at my door. We happen to be in your neighborhood here. I thought that was weird, but then I thought, well, maybe they were just excited. Did you get one? Yeah, we got one too. Okay. I started reading that book. That was a Friday night. I read about four pages. We had some guests coming to our home that were Baptists. I think when you know, we got ready to let them go home, we took hands, we were going to pray. I think I could have prayed in tongues then, but I was afraid to because Diana, she don't know what I'm thinking. She don't know nothing about Dennis Bennett or nothing. I haven't told her a thing about, you know, get this book, read it. So, but anyway, I didn't. But I got up the next morning early, about 7 o'clock, 6.30, went back in that back room and started reading, read four more pages. I got on my knees. We had a little day bed in that little office. I said, Father, I can see from this man that I need this. I don't care who it takes me to or who it removes out of my life. I want it. And I went, Kela Tila. And I started speaking in tongues. This is my story. And immediately it just seemed like I had a little mini vision. The devil went, ha, 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 ha. What are you going to do with that? What'd that do for you? I said, shut up. <laughs> so a couple hours later, we're going to the bookstore, Christian bookstore. Diana's with me. I'm driving. And she says, what's that funny smirk on your face? You always tell us wrong. What's that goofy grin? What's that goofy grin on your face? Excuse me. Goofy grin. I said, you don't really want to know. Oh, man, I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> Michael Jacobs, you tell me what that's all about. I said, okay, baby, I got spirit-filled and spoken tongues this morning. You what? <laughs> we had a Bible in our car. She grabbed it, got it out of the glove compartment, threw it up on the desk. You show me in here. I said, I just got one verse, Acts 2, 4. 
and baby, I just, she, she's got, we got in a big argument. Okay, a heated discussion, if you like that better, okay? <laughs> I'm not trying to be politically correct. But we didn't go in that store for 30 minutes because we were fussing with each other in the car. A, bi- a Bible store. Huh? It's a Bible bookstore. It's a Bible bookstore. <laughs> and she finally looked at me and said, well, one thing I know about you, Michael, you're not a nut. I don't know how to respond to you right now telling me you spoke in tongues. What are we? I said, I don't know about you. I'm a believer. I'm still a believer and a better one now. Come on. I thought we were I thought we were a Baptist. I said, well, I don't know about that. I just know what I got. Right. Same Holy Ghost that got me saved, the same Holy Ghost came into me. Right. Hallelujah. <laughs> well, that was a Saturday afternoon. I was pastor of a little church in, uh, what is that called out there? Fern Creek. Fern Creek. In Fern Creek, we, we met, raided a little community room. We had the chairs in a closet. I had to drag the chairs out and set them all up for the people. I had total of about 18 people. It's a big deal. <laughs> Put the chairs out and I had a little podium, a little smaller than this, of course. And I was going to preach the next day and that was a Saturday, remember? Remember Saturday? She said, what's that funny grin about? And I said, well, I got spirit filled and speaking tongues. And I was praying during that afternoon, just three or four or five hours after I'd gotten filled. And the Lord said, Michael, remember Rebecca? Now, Rebecca was a little girl in my church, about 9, 10 years old. She'd had tubes put in her ears four times. You know what tubes do? They drain the liquid, drain the fluid that builds up in your ears there. And it causes problems if you don't get that fluid out. And what's happened to her now, they've put four different sets of tubes in her, and it's not worked, and it's rotted the inside of her eardrums, and she's starting to have severe hearing problem. And so she's going in the next Friday. This is Saturday. She's going in the next Friday. They're going to cut her head open, pull that out, go in there and work. They didn't even promise they could fix her. And I'm not criticizing doctors. They were hard people. I mean, they're hardworking people. But so I call up the parents. I said, this is Pastor Jacobs. I'd like to pray for Rebecca in the morning. That'd be okay. I'll lay hands on her or whatever. And they said, yeah, that'd be great. I said, I heard she's supposed to go in for surgery next Friday. That's right. We've already took her in preliminary. We just take her back. The surgeons are going to work on her. Okay, but what they didn't know, see, I was going to believe for God to heal her. Yes, and I called up Roy. Remember Roy Lamberth? If you got the Holy Ghost all at words, you at? You B-U-T-T? Remember that comment? Okay. <laughs> I called him up and said, how do you lay hands on people? That sounds funny to tell you that today because I lay hands on people all the time, have for 40 years. He said, well, you just bring them up, lay your hands on their head and pray over them. I told him about little Rebecca and he told me what to do, and I brought her up. I laid hands on her and prayed for her. They took her back the next Friday. The doctor, the surgeon, well, I think one of the nurses came out and took her back with a clipboard. And 10 minutes later, the two surgeons came back to the parents and said, there's nothing wrong with Rebecca. Her ears are perfect. What happened? We're the guys that looked at that. It was a mess. Well, I don't know if he told him or not. He didn't tell me that. But he called me that Friday night, and he would actually cussed me out. He was so hot. And see, I didn't know all that I know now. I just knew that God had moved. Yes. I'm smart enough to know if you lay hands on somebody and they got a serious problem and then they take them into the surgeons and they don't have a problem, God did something. Yes. How many understand that? In the name of Jesus. That's about all I did. I pray for these ears to be healed. In the name of Jesus. And they, they thought it was probably cute, the parents. I don't know what they're thinking. They're not thinking. They're certainly not believing. <laughs> and he's mad at me. And I said to him, I knew he's the dad. Are you the father? Aren't you Rebecca's father I'm talking to? 
Well, you know I'm her father. He got more angry. I said, well, what in the world would you be mad about for God intervening? You didn't have to pay anything to get your daughter fixed. And they didn't have to cut her head open and go through recovery and all the stuff. And they couldn't even guarantee they were going to fix her. And the surgeons confirmed she's normal. She can hear perfectly. It's all right. What's the matter with you? I'm not coming back to your stupid church. Yeah, see that? See, that's my first shot out of the box. First, I had to deal with my wife. Then I had to deal with this lunatic. Hey, I came oh, she did. About two weeks later, Jimmy, Jimmy, what's his name? Jim Baker, Jim Baker and, and 700 Club. Club. What's his name? Ben Kinslow and what's the other guy? Pat Robertson. They were doing that every service. I mean, every day on TV. They were saying, if you want to be filled with the Holy Ghost, touch the TV. You know, whatever. They got a lot of people filled with the Holy Ghost. And they were teaching it. But you know, when you start moving in something that's a little different to people, the devil tries to stir people up. What's wrong with that? Well, there's nothing wrong with it. It's one of the greatest things I've just told you, other than me giving my life to Jesus to begin with. (laughs) It has so helped me. I got a big long list of things. It brought me to Dr. Ed Dufresne. Seven, eight billion people on the planet. He is the only name he, God gave me. And that was after 90 days of praying in tongues one hour every day to ask God, how do I fix whatever I'm in here? Not fix it, but I was, the church was exploding. I love my wife. She loves me. We got kids that love God. Here they sit. But at the same time, I was frustrated. I don't know if you can understand that. I had a holy frustration. Sometimes it do you good to get a holy frustration. (laughs) Where you come hungry sometimes to really get whatever God needs to fix you or help you or establish you or move you forward. Wow. Hallelujah. Yeah. So this little girl got healed. The guy left my church with his daughter. And he only came back when they were going to interrogate me. And I resigned in that meeting anyway, but he was there, but he wasn't no fun. He was mad at me. I wasn't mad at any of them. Hallelujah. I'm just talking to you here. (laughs) Are you listening? It's so powerful. So powerful. This baptism in the Holy Ghost. That brings me to the last part of my sermon here. I think I want to maybe share one more verse and then I'm going to move in a little different direction. Uh, 1 Corinthians 14. Look at this with me just quickly here. 1 Corinthians 14. And uh, let's look here at verse. Let me just give you a couple verses and then I'm going to go to a different direction here. 1 Corinthians 14 verse 2. For he that speaketh uh, in a tongue. That's what it says in the original. Unknown is not in the original Greek New Testament. He just put that in there thinking they were going to help us. And they didn't hurt us, but it doesn't really say that. So I don't like to. He that, it's italicized in your Bible. He that speaks in an unknown tongue speaks not unto men, but unto God. For no man understandeth him, howbeit in the spirit he speaks mysteries. Or he speaks divine secrets, one translation said. Notice it doesn't say he who yells in tongues. He who speaketh in a tongue speaks not unto men but unto God. You know it's important to talk things over with your father. Now you could talk things over with your father as much as you know in English if you know something. You know about, about yourself or about somebody else. But there may be issues you don't know about something that he's going to help you. 
even in your own life. Things down here you know that you don't know up here yet, but you could speak to God and just talk to God about it and talk to God. And let me give you another verse here, verse 4. I'm just giving you, wetting your appetite for this. Verse 4, he that speaks in a, a tongue edifies himself. Uh, it, edified means to build up. Actually, one translation says he who speaks in a tongue improves himself. You talk about self-improvement, this would help you a great deal. You don't need a psychologist, really. I mean, that's fine if you need one, go to one. But they're going to charge you big money, and some of them might not tell you what they should do scripturally. <laughs> yeah, I know of a couple that went to a pastor friend of mine for marriage counseling, and they didn't like him. They didn't like his answers, and so they went, said, we're not coming back. And he ran into him two or three months later at Kroger's, and he said, how's your counseling going? Well, pretty good. Well, what did they tell you? They said, we need an extra lover on the side. PhD guy. This is what you need an extra romance going on. That's going to destroy your marriage, what it's going to do, if it hadn't already. Yeah. See, you know, we just, you could improve yourself just by praying in the Spirit. Do you know what you're called to do? Do you know what you're really anointed to do? I mean, every person here ought to be able to answer that. I'm not challenging you, but I am challenging you. You should know that within a few seconds to tell me if you know what you're called to do. And the anointing that goes with that. And why you're here. You're not here to just take up another seat, I hope. I hope you're here to help us build this church. Well, I haven't led anybody to the Lord in the last 10 years. I'd say you're way behind then. You get this quality of word here and just we teach you and minister. Not just a little bit of watered down gospel. We try to give you the meat of the word. As well as some broccoli and cauliflower and asparagus. You need that. A couple of Brussels sprouts. I'm talking the truth to you here. What are you doing? See, you could find that out by praying in the Spirit and asking God, you know, where you fit, what's your calling, what you're to do. Not the fivefold ministry, but just as a good sheep. Let me read it again. He that speaks in a tongue edifies himself, and he that prophesies edifies the church. It says he improves himself, back in verse 4, or he moves himself forward. And I got some other definitions, but I'll let that go till the next time. I'm Go to chapter, chapter 14. Go up to chapter 14, verse uh, 37 through 40. Let's see this real quick here, and then I'm going to go in a little different direction. If any man think himself to be a prophet or spiritual, so it, maybe you're not a prophet, but you feel like you're a spiritual person, that's great. Let him acknowledge that the things that I write unto you, and what's he been talking about in this chapter? How to operate in the spirit, how to operate in tongues in the church and out of the church both. Are you listening? We haven't got time to deal with all that. But I, so he's been talking about 1 Corinthians 12 was the gifts of the spirit, then the fivefold ministry, then moving in love, which is the key to the whole thing. It's not going to take the place of working of miracles, but you see what I'm saying? You should walk in love with people. All right. But he said, let him acknowledge that the things I'm writing unto you are the commandments of the Lord, not the suggestions. If any man be ignorant, let him be ignorant still. Wherefore, covet to prophesy and forbid not. I want you to look in your Bible or your electrical gizmo. Forbid not to speak with tongues. Forbid not. I happen to know a pastor in Louisville that got up and said, we're not going to have those tongues around here. We don't believe in it. Well, you're not going to have that there. You can learn that there because the pastor's against it. 
Let all things be done decently in order. There's an order to this, but everything should be done, including what? Tongues. Don't forbid speaking tongues. I know people have gotten divorced over that. I know people that have got put out of their family because of that. But that's nothing. God tells us not to be like that and don't forbid to speak with other tongues. You know, about two days ago, I woke up early. Uh, I don't remember what, what is this, Sunday, maybe Thursday morning. God woke me up at 5.15. I laid there for about 30, 40 minutes, and God said, I want you to get up and pray. I got up and went to the, my office and began to pray in other tongues, and God began to give me some things for you today. So I'd like you all to stand up with me. And if I speak this.